0: Om Sri Sai Ram, welcome to question and answer session. Thank you very much for your time. We are very much encouraged by thought provoking questions coming from you. While thanking you, we pray Bhagavan to bless all of you. Continue to send your questions like this, which will help us to learn together and to grow together. This question comes from a varying man, a prospective doctor. He was a student of Balavikas. He was in Savadal born in a Sai family. Before stepping into the field of medicine as a full-fledged doctor, he wanted certain tips to be learned as he takes to practice in future. Right? I'm not a medical man, i cannot give you any technical assistance nor any academic particulars either but anyway since you are a young man wanting to know from me i would like to share with you some points as a student you must have learnt many techniques And the techniques will certainly help you to become a very good practitioner, a very good professional. There is no doubt about it. But at the same time, please understand that techniques can be helpful, supportive. But the basic is not a technique, but a loving heart. Loving heart is more important as you pick up techniques, even the latest. And uh, as you meet your patients, your job should be part of your love. And it's not part of your business. It's not simply business, it's a part of... Of your love. But unfortunately, as you must have noticed in society, the ugly ego which changes helping people into exploiting people. We know this exploitation going on in a very big scale it is appearing in newspapers and also on Televisions, sets. More or less, this exploitation should come to an end at some stage or other. As a doctor, I advise to help people <coughs> to drop their tensions. Many people come to you full of tension, and if we just don't pay attention to, their, to those tensions, Well, the case becomes much worse. And many have unnecessary problems. Unnecessary problems because people find to be comfortable amidst problems. Having no problem is a problem at times. Therefore, he is in the habit of creating problems. Actually speaking, 70% our problems are imaginary. And hence, my friend, I'll advise you to see that your problems, the problems of your patients are dropped, which are unnecessary, most of them being imaginary. I can also suggest you to be attentive, to be respectful, to be loving. Yes, they are very important. That's part of uh, uh, of your cure also. You can cure with these qualities. Create a friendliness, a deep intimacy with the patient. The patient should feel that intimacy and he should see in you a friend. If you just remain on a high pedestal, it is not possible to communicate and to open up. And the patient has to be given as much respect and dignity as you can manage. Never be disrespectful. Never be discourteous. Never the patient feels that, yeah, that he is neglected. No. You should be uh, entertaining a feeling that you are a helper, a humble helper and not a savior. A humble helper. Yes. Then you can certainly help immensely. Immensely. Finally, I would say you have to bridge yourself with your Patient, meaning you should not remain disconnected. So the patient should have a feeling that you are so near and dear to him. And he should also be confident that he will be cured. There is no reason to worry further that he is in safe hands. These are Just random thoughts I shared with you. Thank you. Then I pass on to another question. We find today in families, in communities, and society by and large, there's a lot of misunderstanding. What could be done? in this situation? Oh, good question, good question. This we find misunderstanding even from the times of uh, uh, epics. The mythology speak of the misunderstanding that Duryodhana had. Actually Draupadi laughed looking at her own associates. Naturally, when anyone laughs, looking at him, we do start laughing. Laughter is contagious. So Draupadi started laughing. But that fool Duryodhana thought that Draupadi was laughing at him. This irritated him and that led to a war, Kurukshetra. Simple misunderstanding. And we also in Ramayana, another instance of misunderstanding. Sugriva was brought back to power by Rama and Lakshmana because a lot of injustice is done to Sugriva by his brother Vali. When Sugriva was brought back to his power, having been relieved of prolonged period of suffering from his brother. He was just relaxing. He was just adjusting. He was just enjoying with his family and the power. But what happened? It led to a kind of irritation to Rama and Lakshmana. Sugriva was supposed to help them. But he seems to have forgotten that agreement. He seems to have forgotten the promise he made. Just relaxing. Then Rama sent Sugriva, to uh, sent Lakshmana to Sugriva and remind him of his onerous responsibility. Lakshmana comes and starts reminding Sugriva His job, his duty, his promise, in a very serious, tough manner. Sugriva was shivering actually. It was that time Tara comes. And she starts explaining. I'm sorry, it's not Tara. No. The wife of Sugriva comes over there. And she pleads with Lakshmana, My Lord, why are you so angry with him? He is just free from all the bondage, all the suffering, with all the uh, war and the battle. All that is between him and his brother. is only now he is relaxing. And she started clearing this misunderstanding. Such a misunderstanding was already there between Sugriva and Vali. Vali misunderstood Sugriva. That's a big story. And that misunderstanding led to the fight between Vali and Sugriva. In respect of Dundubhi, it's a big story. So, misunderstanding led to war, wrestling, battle according to mahabharata and ramayana so this misunderstanding is quite natural to the mind as broadly speaking either we understand or we don't understand or misunderstand three we don't understand very good and two we misunderstand, this has to be tackled. This has to be addressed. And third, we understand, okay, safe. So the problem comes with those that don't understand, we can inform them. And those understand, need not be reminded, need not be told anything. And those that misunderstand, have got to be corrected. This misunderstanding is quite natural to the mind, as I said. The mind starts interpreting. If a man says, good morning to you, the mind starts interpreting. Why did this man say, good morning to me? What must have been his intention? What could be his motive? If anyone laughs heartily, why should he laugh? Is he laughing at me? So this interpretation of the mind is responsible for misunderstanding. We should not interpret like that. We should know that we are just an opening and like a mirror reflecting reality as it is. When when you don't interpret, you can see the reality as it is. Just look at it without any interpretation. In all its original way, original form, you will never misunderstand. Now we can also look from the different angle. I am a Hindu. From the Hindu point, I start looking at things. There is every possibility to misunderstand. Similarly, a Christian, if he looks at the Hindu practices, Hindu rituals, he may misunderstand. So also with a Muslim. So when we belong to a particular religion, there is every possibility to misunderstand. Because it is a religion that takes control of our awareness, of our understanding. So, we can also find another thing. When I become to a political party, political party, Naturally, I'll misunderstand other political parties. Another thing, if I'm so affiliated, attached to my country, I'll be misunderstanding the neighboring countries, naturally. In other words, my understanding depends upon political, social, religious ideologies. And these ideologies... They always fight. They are always in conflict. The history says only two periods. What are they? One period of peace, another period of war. But truly speaking, it is not a period of peace at all. It is a period of preparation for the next war. Therefore, to revise our thought, We can say this, one, preparation for war, the other two, the war period. That has been the situation as you look at it. So, mind is the cause for all this, for conflicts, war, murders and massacre. Therefore, what we can do is, we can remain simply a human being in utter purity, of humanness, totally. But, as I mentioned earlier, the conditioning is so deep, we cannot look at it openly. No. So, we cannot look at things unprejudiced, impartial. Naturally, this leads to misunderstanding. So, the so-called understanding, what we have, is not understanding. That understanding is born out of limitations or conditioning. We are conditioned by society, conditioned by religion, conditioned by politics. So this conditioned mind naturally misunderstands. Therefore, we should have pure understanding, the fourth dimension. Pure understanding, meaning unprejudiced, unbiased, impartial, in all its pristine purity. If you start looking at things, you'll naturally be well-informed. That is pure understanding. That's what I can say about misunderstanding as we find around. Then I pass on to the, the next question. uh, uh, A devotee has put this question. In the presence of Swami, I am peaceful and blissful. But in His absence, what is happening to me, I don't understand. I am not peaceful. I am not blissful. So, in His presence, I am in one way, in his absence, in another way, why, why? How to, how how to be in continuous uh, style, in the same continuous mood, in the same continuous uh, way of thinking, way of life, as in the presence of Swami. This is true. In most of us. While in Prasanthikayam, in the presence of Swami, each one of us have a personality. Away from that, we are different. Why? We don't question ourselves why it is happening. We are not as calm, as quiet, as silent as before. We are not that amicable, that friendly, that loving as before. Before, I mean, in the presence of Swami. In His absence, we are different. Why? To be very, very plain enough, we can observe what happens in the absence of our Master. Is our reality. If I am full of anger, when once I am away from Swami, that anger is my reality. When once I start feeling egoistic, away from the thought of Swami, away from Prashantanayam, I am highly egoistic. Our true qualities. A uh, surface when in the absence of Swami, when we are away from Prashanthilayam. Why, why, why should it happen? In the presence, what happens is we are overwhelmed, overjoyed, looking at the beautiful form of Bhagavan Sri Satsai Baba. We are lost at times. We forget ourselves. We forget all our families, all our problems. We forget our own selves for that matter. Because Swami's personality is that. Swami's glory is like that. Swami's effect is that. The divinity is like that. Therefore, the effect, the environment, when we are in the thought of Swami, when we are in Prashantalayam, in the Divine Presence, is governed totally under the control of electromagnetic field, if I am if to say, of Bhagavan Sri Baba. His charisma is like that, that made us like that. But in the absence, our true personality surfaces. Just as we say, the cat comes out of the back, while there in His presence we have forgotten ourselves. We don't remember yourself, but the fact is, it's only through remembrance of yourself you'll be able to transform yourself. Unless I remember myself as an ego, Unless I understand I am a man of full of anger, unless I understand that, I cannot transform. Whereas in the presence of Swami, there is no question of transformation because I am carried away by His divinity and charismatic influence. Therefore, we have to remind ourselves what we are in reality, if we are particular, to transform ourselves. Actually speaking, spiritually, we want to go beyond, (coughs) (coughs) meaning transcendental. In fact, that's the only way to reach that transcendental stage. What is the way? Observation of one's own self by and large. What are my weaknesses? What are my pitfalls? What am I in reality? Not what I am in front of Swami, what I am in a temple, in a church, in front of Swami. That's all different. That's all the effect of those personalities, effect of sanctum, sanctorium, holy places. But away from that, you will know what you are actually. But that's not a mistake either. When once you know what you are in reality, you can help yourself. You can grow and transform yourself. But you have to travel alone. In a temple you may join a group. In Darshan you may join huge crowds. But when you want to transform yourself, after having understood what you really are, your traveling is all alone. The Guru cannot come with you. You cannot expect him to follow you. The, see, mothers carrying their children in their arms while asking them to take little food. What they do? With the other hand, they will be showing the fingers at the moon. Look at the moon. Look at the moon. There is the moon. And the child looking at the moon starts eating. But is the moon located at the tip of the finger that mother is pointing out? No. Moon is at a far off place. She is only showing the finger's direction. Similarly, our Guru will show us the direction. But he will never carry you and keep you over there. So... This is an important point. In the presence of the Divinity, we have gone into the shadow, into the background. And we take the Divine beautiful form, more real than our true reality. And this reality, our own true identity, will reveal itself in the absence of our Bhagavan, it is exposed. Just understand it. Therefore, what we do is we ignore our true identity, our own true uh, reality. We go on speaking of our experience in the divine company at Prashantriyam, in the presence of Swami, while in meditation, while in thought of. Swami, we speak all that. That is all true, 100%. But at the same time, your reality, what you are, your weaknesses, your merits, your faults, your mistakes, also should be cognized. That would surface. That would be be, uh, on the top. When once you are away, from the divine thought. When once you are, you are away from uh, Swami's presence or a, from a holy temple for that matter, the reality is exposed. That you should examine carefully, which will help you to know where you are, what you are. Then the pilgrimage begins. Pilgrimage begins to transcendental stage of non-dualism. But here I also should tell you, let us be open. There may be a lot of rubbish within me, all the full of dirt within me, which comes to the surface when I am away from Swami. In the physical absence of Swami, I put it rather, physical absence of Swami, all my Minus points, negative points, all of them surface. It may be all rubbish, but it is my sadhana to clean it up, to clean it up. It is my sadhana to drop them all. It is my spiritual practice to move away from it. That is very important. Therefore, Presence of Swami is an elimination and physical absence of Swami should take us to sadhana for improvement. A spiritual practice a sadhana which is absolutely necessary. As has been already mentioned, everybody is alone. One, to, one has to make travel all alone. That's it. Nobody will follow you. But please note that God has given us enough of strength. But we are not aware of our strength. And He has given enough of strength to complete our pilgrimage. But all this we have forgotten, being with Swami. But anyway, at least now, we can make a comparative study What what happened in the presence of Swami, in His physical presence, in the divine thought, in the divine contemplation, what is happening in His absence? If you make a comparative study that way, we will come to conclusion what we are and what we can be. What we are, what we can be. Therefore, we should know uh, the direction and our potential to move towards the transcendental but what does baba do his presence helps us to be aware of our own potential our possibilities and how can how we can blossom in fullness yes with that the divine uh, presence completes the job by giving you a glimpse of our future. That's what is meant by follow the master. When I follow Swami, a glimpse of the future is given. Or else, I go on thinking of those blessed days and live in euphoria or wellness of the future. Forgetting the reality in the present. We should not forget the reality in the present. But our attempt should be to go beyond. Attain euphoria and make it real such that it must be our own. We have a false teacher. He, his euphoria will be viewed as your euphoria in the presence of a false teacher. His experience appears as if it is your experience. It is a drug false. You feel good, but drug cannot be the source of the ultimate. But authentic teacher like our Bhagavan Baba gives a glimpse of the beyond, reminds of earth on which you stand. Yes, here you are. Here, what you are. Sometimes is very harsh. Sometimes is very direct in talking to us. And naturally, He will never allow you to forget your reality. But at the same time, you have all the promise of flowers, Springs that come, yes, in future. And we, should, and we should never be deluded by one thing. As a way of caution, I am telling you, we should be, never be deluded that Swami's fragrance is our fragrance. Swami is the embodiment of peace. Let us not think that it is our peace. Swami is love in human form. Let me not think it is for it is mine. no. Swami's silence is total. My silence is not total. So thus we should make a comparative study, at least to make an, an attempt to improve. Finally, let us be alert to avoid misunderstanding. This alertness will certainly, Keep all this misunderstanding out, clear totally. That is what you call pure understanding. Thank you.